Be alright. My name's Paul, I've got autism and I make random videos about my version of autism. Because when I first started doing this, there wasn't many of me out there that I could find. So I just wanted to talk to you, just in case you are a bit like me. Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't feel like pressing record today at all. Um, because of what's currently going on. Um, and for those of you who know, um, I've got a little series at the minute called uh, The Butterfly Effect, um, a number of videos where I'm, I'm basically not having a good time. Um, you know, I've had a, I wanted a workplace autism assessment done. Uh, one was done, but it absolutely didn't work. Um, not through the fault of work. This, there's a lot of faults. But basically, I had a list of things which I needed for a workplace autism assessment for the reasonable adjustments. I took into consideration what it was versus the impact it would have on work versus the impact it would have on me. So basically, I would benefit from minor changes. And these minor changes were to put things in order for things that are a little bit unscripted, should we say, in the workplace. And it would have had zero impact. But when I had my autism workplace assessment, it was a pro forma of trying to see where your triggers are on your sensory overloads. But I had a specific list. And the problem is it was like two ends, you know, two of the same ends of a magnet. It just wasn't able to, uh, to link up. And we ended up in a position where nothing at all got documented and nothing at all was actioned. So I was in exactly the same place that started me off. And I only asked for the autism workplace assessment because I was bothered. Things just weren't right. Things were a bit squiffy, if that's even a word. Um, and I could just feel myself getting a little bit out of control, you know, slowly but surely. And I like rules, I like structure, I like procedure because it gives you defined boundaries to live in between. And it's not just to call you out when something goes wrong. It's there to protect you when you're doing right and other people are doing wrong, which is ultimately a position I'm in. And one day, hopefully, I'll be able to give you the full rundown. Um, but I don't feel it's safe while I still work there. Um, and then what that ultimately led on to was going to the doctors because I had to self-diagnose, uh, self-assess, self-certification, whatever you want to call it, uh, for stress because it hit 9 a.m. Uh, on a particular day and I just could not work. I just couldn't bring myself to open one more email, to go in one more meeting, to get in the car and do one more assessment. It just, I just couldn't do it. And that actually would have been quite an easy day, but I just hit the wall. I'd hit my, my actual limit, you know, and I'm, I'm a 110% type of person. So I'd hit my limit and then some, and then hit it again. Um, so it hit me 110% harder than it should have done. <laughs> um, and I went to the doctors and the doctor basically said, um, you know, I can only sign you off work for a couple of weeks and then you've got to make a choice between CBT and medication. It's got to be one of them the next time you come. And this is where we are. And I've got the doctors this Tuesday coming, Tuesday, the 9th of November. And I've done nothing but 
think during my time off. And to be honest, I've got a bit worse. And what I've realized I've done, and I hope you bear with me because what I'm trying to pick on, I'm just trying to pick my mind apart versus society versus the workplace and everything that goes along with it. And what I've realized I've done, because I'm, a, I'm not a people pleaser as such, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm more of a person who just does not want conflict, doesn't want tension, doesn't want anything just to rock the boat. I, I hate things like that. I just think we should all be able to get on. Stop being jealous. Stop caring what somebody else thinks where it's too detrimental to you. And I just want things to be all right. So what I do as a person is I take more responsibility on. And this is what I've done a lot of thinking on and what I've come to the conclusion of. You know, so if there's a bit of work, let's say there's 10 people in the room and there's a job that needs doing, when it gets put out and it's like, so who's going to take this on? If no one responds in three seconds, I respond because I don't want the tension to come creeping in. You know, and where the reality is, nobody's answering because no one wants to do it. I don't particularly want to do it, but I also don't want the tension in the room. And it's rather, you know, um, it's, well, it's better to volunteer than to be volunteered for. So I end up taking on work. And then there's times where someone might not do a particular part of a job because it's not their job. But that question still needs answering. So then. I dive in and I answer that question and it's all my fault is what I'm getting at. You know, the way I'm wired, the things I've taken on, the, the workload that I've got, the stress that's been caused, it's my fault. I mean, yes, it's everybody else's fault because they should be better. They should want to take the responsibility. They should respond when they're asked a question, they, sh you know, bosses should put their workers in a particular alignment for what their job is. But they don't. And then I'm there going, I'll do it. Where on the only thing it does is it just papers over the cracks. It doesn't fix them. And I'm the one who suffers, but that's my fault. So the reason I'm here is because of me. And, and as obvious as it might sound, to me, that's quite surprising. <laughs> because the only way to break this is to be like everyone else, is to be selfish to a detriment. Because whereas they, like today I'm filming this, it's Friday. The people I've been covering for, the people whose work I've been doing, that's not my job, will finish tonight, have a couple of beers, get the feet up and be nice and relaxed. Because I was doing it. That's my fault, yeah. But they weren't doing it, knowing I would pick it up. And that's wrong. My nice nature has been exploited and taken advantage of to the point where I've now broken and I'm at home and I'm stressed and I'm not working and I feel like I'm letting people down. I feel like I'm letting people down who 
are decent in my region. I don't feel like I'm allowed to have this time off. And it's not good because it's through other people's decision-making that has ultimately led me to be where I am. And if they were good decisions, I wouldn't be sat here now all sad, sulky, you know, low and depressed. Because what I've done since is obviously I've done a lot of thinking about the CBT. And I've read a lot about CBT. And I do appreciate it when people leave a comment and let me know what their thoughts are when I don't realize that I can ask. You know, but some people left positive comments for CBT saying it worked for them. It's turned, you know, sections of their life around. They benefited from it. And for that, I'm happy for you. I like good news. I do. I'm, it's nice to be nice. It's good to be good. And when something positive happens, I feel happy for you. But then I've also had comments saying it doesn't work. And I've had more emails than comments to say it doesn't work because people don't want to share why it didn't work in, uh, in comments. But then I've also had the same apply for the medication. People who've said medication worked for them and people who said medication didn't work for them. So what's been nice is I've been able to read them all, digest it, you know, and, and to see where it helps me down the line because come Tuesday, I've got to make a decision. Do I have CBT? Do I have medication? Two things I don't want. So I've done a lot of reading on CBT for workplace-related stress, and every point won't work. <laughs> and I know that's negative, but the reality is I, I try to view my life with one foot in my life and one foot outside of my life. Because when I pull myself further to the foot that's outside of my life, that's where there's no emotion. And I get to look in and say, is he making the right decisions or is it emotional? You know, is he doing something that's common sense or is he doing something because, you know, his, his emotion has just hit a point which is going to be detrimental for him? And I've had a look from both angles about CBT and the thing CBT offers is talking about finding a good structure within your work to be able to plan your day better. Can you do that? Well, the things that are bothering me are outside of my control, so no. You know, create an oasis for yourself and, you know, make sure you take your dinner break because, you know, and prioritize because if you don't, like, for example, if you don't respond to that email right now, is it the worst thing in the world? You know, like put your work in order of where its priorities are. I already do all that. You know, I don't do anything detrimental within my work. It only becomes detrimental when I'm dragged in to do the work of others. And the easiest way I can try and explain it for those who might still say, oh, you know, come on, Paul, give CBT a chance, is I try to give this example for quite a lot of things, but it's the alphabet. So my work, my work, my actual job, the job I was employed for is A, B, C. And then after C, there is a line, a strong line, and I don't ever step foot on the other side because that's not my job. And no one needs to come over to my side because that's not their job. And that line is called quality assurance. Now, in a lot of other companies and in the company I work for, you should very easily be able to stay within ABC 
and that's it. No messing around. And every now and again, you might have a little bit of a discussion needed between C and D. You just might need that tiny bit of a discussion with the person who's employed in that department who looks after D, E, F. And the two should never cross over. Nobody should do the other jobs because you need that quality assurance line. Now, I can do my A, B and C absolutely fine. No questions asked. Day job, Monday to Friday, not, no messing about. That is it. I can do it. But there are flaws where I work where, let's say, the person who does D, E and F can't actually do that job. But because I've done that job in the past, that person comes to me countless times wanting me to do D, E and F. And because I'm a nice guy, I assist. But that assistance has become expected. And then silly me carries on doing it. You know, so the CBT can't work because I everything that bothers me is outside of my role. And I do raise it with my employer. I do raise it with the people who pay me. I do raise it with the other departments. But because my boss is overworked and stressed, every now and again he just goes, can you just deal with it, Paul? Can you just deal with it this time, please? And I have done. And we've done this dance countless times, and now that stress on the chain has broken me. So CBT won't work because it's not that I am doing detrimental things. It's not that I don't know how to prioritize my work. I've done this work for over a decade. I know how to do it, and I've never had a problem before. I only have a problem now because it's a different company. And after a year, there are very visible cracks because it's quite new to this company that they're trying to do this. And instead of having the right people in the right positions to make the uh, you know, decisions, ultimately, where they make a massive impact, none of them are from a fire background. So it's very difficult to get over to them the severity of what will happen if they don't do things in a certain timed manner. It's very, very difficult when things are just theoretical but you know what the practicality is. Very difficult. And it just leaves me in the camp of needing medication. So I, I was really against the idea. But then yesterday I had a day from the bowels of negativity. I was so down, and I'm still feeling the effects of it. But, you know, nothing could capture my attention. And it's I'm in that sort of horrible situation where Nothing brings me joy except food. <laughs> so I've got no interest in eating better, so I'm eating a load of rubbish. I'm going to bed feeling fat. I wake up feeling fatter than usual. That brings me down, and I think, right, I should eat better today. And then go to the fridge and get some chocolate because you just can't get yourself out of this while you know what's going on. And knowing you've only got two weeks off work, that sounds like a lot. But for me, and the way my head's wired is, I'm so anxious and worked up about the doctor's appointment that it takes about two or three days to come down from that appointment and to relax myself again because I feel like I've got to fight with everything I am to, to try and explain why I need to be off. You know, And then when it's a week left, the way, again, my head works is, right, there isn't another Tuesday where it's free, the next Tuesday is, I've got to be at the doctor's. And then it's Wednesday and you're like, right, so now I don't have a week anymore. And the last week doesn't work. 
So ultimately, I might get two or three days to feel like I can sit down and breathe out a little bit and forget things in two weeks. So I don't get two weeks separation because of the way my head is. You know, but because I've done all the thinking of whose fault is it, why have I ended up like this, and it is my fault, you know, I went onto the NHS website and I did the stress test. And what I found is um, the way I try to explain things to people, especially doctors, you know, like right now on every one of these videos, I do talk to you with a mask on because otherwise my face won't change. You know, I won't smile. I won't crack a joke. I won't try and quip something. I'll, you know, I'm more robotic. Um, and when I, when I see the doctor and when I see other people, because I am this nice nature and because I don't want to upset people and because I don't want tension and problems, I did that with the doctor and I was bright-faced. I explained things. I told her categorically how it was all work-related. And that's why I got two weeks off and told, oh, well, you're going to have to pick a choice. What I never shown the doctor was that I have a problem and I really am stressed because I couldn't even see it myself. I couldn't see that what's happening in work has had the biggest effect on Paul. Couldn't see it. And now I can. I went and did the NHS stress test and I scored 24 out of 24. And then the anxiety part on there, I scored 21 out of 21. And I thought, that's not good. <laughs> you know, clearly I am stressed. I'm not workplace stressed. The workplace has started it off, but everything else has fell down like a house of cards. You know, you feel, you just feel like you're going insane. And I genuinely did yesterday, felt like I was going insane. Um, because one of the worst thing, I mean, everything's against you anyway in life. That's just the way life is. And your resilience decides how well you put up with it. But when people don't listen to you and when people can't hear you, you have to really ask yourself, you know, they might be hearing me, but am I choosing the right words to say? And I don't believe I was because I was, like I say, putting the mask on. I was joking. I was paying attention to her and her family and all the things she was talking about. But the reality is I should have just gone in and, you know, like I've, I've, what I basically started doing is writing a letter to read on Tuesday to stop myself going onto this autopilot where I try and make her feel all right and not let her feel like she's, uh, you know, in a tense situation. But it's me I've got to think of. Stop thinking of everyone else. Think of you. You know, and I read these 10 happy busters or whatever it was called where or 10 stress busters, and I read down the list, and not one of them will work for me because I still have the grey cloud of work hanging over my head and what the problem is. And I think I've said it to you before, but I genuinely don't see a way out unless I get time away from work. So the issues that keep recurring and falling back on me have to go and recur on someone else. And if it recurs on someone else, they don't do what I do, and they're not as nice as I am, and it'll start to get fixed. Because I don't shout with the loudest voice in work because I know I have the autism. So I try, I try that little bit harder because I want to be seen as a, an important team member. 
I don't want to say no to people because I don't want the reason I'm being awkward, you know, is be, to, for anything to even be attributed to autism. I just don't, you know. So I'm probably going to have to try this medication because I'm not doing great. Um, and I need something to, you know, turn it around for me to give me the strength to go back to work and say that it just needs to be documented of what my job is. And if these, if this medication allows me to do that, where I can just, when I get something that isn't a defined part of my job, go, not my role, and just copy my, my manager into every email with the ones I have to bounce back saying, um, sorry, you know, this isn't um, our department. Please contact maintenance. Just to constantly try and bat things away until people get the hint that I'm not going to do their work for them anymore, then medication's going to have to be what it is. But there's also a horrible but another option. Now, I've worked in fire for over 10 years. I stopped counting how many fire risk assessments I did when I got to 2000. I've worked in every recognized fire sector in England. And the only one I'd never worked in was residential. And that's why two or three years ago, I made the jump to residential because I needed to learn about that. I wanted to. But then after Grenfell happened, there's been a strong push on education in the fire sector. And that's causing a lot of problems as well. Because what you, the reason I had to leave my last employer is because I had someone as my manager, who had zero fire experience, just had great qualifications, and then my senior had only ever completed maybe 25 fire risk assessments on a rubbish form. But at that time, I'd cleared 2,000 anyway. And what I end up doing is teaching people who are my superiors in a workplace how to do fire. And sometimes what happens is they make a decision which is so ridiculous that when you try to explain it to them in practical terms, they don't listen to you because you're just that lowly person down the chain. And then it all goes pear-shaped, all goes wrong, and then they try and implement a thousand things to try and fix it, and never once do they come to you because you've got the answer. And they hate that because it's like, I'm the boss, I know more than you. No, you don't. So that's not fun at the minute. The fire, The whole fire setup is wrong. Your experience should account for a hell of a lot more than your qualification, because you only need to do about five fire risk assessments to get, you know, a fire engineering degree. You don't need to do many. You don't need to do anything challenging. You're doing maths. Stop doing maths. Think of a random human being who needs to leave a random building. They're not in there doing maths, trying to figure out airflow calculations while they're trying to run out of a building. You know, if, if they can hear an alarm, have you got one? If they can't hear an alarm, have you got something like a flashing visual display? Keep things simple because fire is simple and what it does to you is simple. But the industry is making it very difficult for you to keep it simple. But I've worked in this role a long time. I can design your full fire alarm schematics. I can tell you the type you need, why you need it, where it needs to be installed. Same with your emergency lights. You can give me a foodstuff factory. You can give me a, a warehouse. You can give me a place that needs a disease assessment. I'll do that for you as well. 
but there's a lot of people in the industry who uh, shouldn't be doing the job just because they've got a qualification. So that's getting very difficult at the minute. So I've made a decision, and that is, I think I'm going to have to leave fire behind. I don't particularly want to, but in a way I kind of do as well. But, you know, And the one thing, again, people don't understand is if I say I'm going to leave this role and just work in health and safety, I'll take a pay cut and I'll be taking a, a drop down a progression ladder. But they don't understand because it's all about progression and it's all about how much money you earn. Whereas for me, it's, I just want better well-being. So long as I can pay my bills and do the things I enjoy, I don't care where I am on a, on a food chain, uh, on, a, on a work chain. I don't care where I am on a financial chain. It's irrelevant to me. I don't need that. You know, like the, the good question is, you know, like flipping burgers, you know, flipping burgers is always the, the go-to topic when people say, you know, is a, is a, is a rubbish job. But if flipping burgers paid you a quarter of a million pound, would you do it? Of course you would. So it's not the job, it's the money that people seem to have an issue with. And, you know, I, I just think I need to step away from fire for my well-being. And it's a shame because I've worked in it so long and I've only met two people genuinely in the past five years who have been more knowledgeable and worth listening to. People who can think, not people who can tell you a number from a book to turn to in guidance. It's guidance. It's there to be ignored if you think there's a better option. People who can free think. It's so rare in this industry, and I'm gutted in a way that I'm going to have to leave it behind, but you know what? My mental well-being is far more important than any paycheck, far more important than any amount of money I could ever earn. Because I could earn 10 million quid a year, but if I have this stress, how I feel now, what an irrelevant amount of money that is. <laughs> I just want to be content again. So the job applications are going out. The phone calls are coming in. Um, we will see, won't we, what happens. So... I just wanted to give you an update to let you know that I know it's my fault. I need to be tougher um, to let you know that, you know, I'm more than willing to give the medication a go because I've never done it before. And I think I just need that little boost, that little top up while things are just a bit chaotic. And the only way to kind of escape this is to potentially change employers and go and work solely in health and safety because fire is thinking. Health and safety is yes and no. And there's a piece of guidance or a piece of HSE, you know, documentation to go along with if it says no. So it's quite simple. And you do a lot more accident investigation in health and safety, which is where the fun is. It's always interesting to get to the bottom of something. Yeah. Oh, and I did a, an IQ test this week because I thought I was going insane. And I wanted to see if I dropped any points. And I, I hit 135. Um, I don't think it means a single thing. Um, I just think it makes it harder to relax the higher the number gets. Um, anyway, I am going to go and get myself a little drink of cola. 
um, <laughs> and play Tropico because I've that seems to be the game that's keeping me preoccupied while I'm off. So as always, I'm sorry that these are a downer, but I hope if you stick in, you appreciate. I'm just trying to share my head, trying to figure out where things are up to and that not everything is sunshine and rainbows in the world of autism, especially when you're someone like I am. So until next time, thank you for watching and keep smiling.